Breakthrough when I shout. Breakthrough when I shout. Hallelujah. 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 Look at your neighbor and say, if you haven't had a breakthrough, it's not too late. Come on, look them in the eyeball. If you haven't had a breakthrough, it's not too late. It's not too late. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a tremendous spirit of liberty is in the tabernacle today. And we have liberty because God is with us. God is here. His presence is here. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 20. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 20. I'm going to preach today. Anybody going to preach with me? Matthew 1 and 20. And we'll read down to verse 23. But while Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a promise. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Look at your neighbor and say, that is a prophetic promise. And so I'm preaching this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost for a few moments protect the promise protect the promise protect the promise put your bibles down lift up your hands one more time and just shout unto the lord with a voice of triumph can you open up your mouth in the name of jesus we claim victory today i pray strength and power and anointing in the holy ghost in this christmas season lord i thank you for every heart that's here Thank you for every praise that's been lifted up in adoration today. We glorify you. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You may be seated. Some Bible scholars estimate there are over 400 Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. And Jesus was that promised Messiah. 735 years before the angel of the Lord promised Joseph that Mary would bring forth a son named Jesus who would save his people from their sins, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Five years later, Isaiah prophetically promised as if it was happening there and then, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
But if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God gave the very first promise concerning Jesus. Satan had just deceived Eve and brought sin into the world. It was a day of pain, a day of reckoning, a day of brokenness as Adam and Eve were being kicked out of the garden that God had created for them. And God looked at the devil and said, because you have done this, you are cursed. And I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel. This prophecy is known as the first good news because it was the first time that God revealed a Savior was coming to the world. Eve had no way of understanding what God meant. But today we know God was promising Satan that Jesus was going to stomp him on the head. I'm just going to stop and preach a little bit. Uh, uh, maybe this will sound a little juvenile to some of you, but when my, when my kids were very, very young, when they were learning to walk and they were kind of stumbling around and they were learning to talk, we used to sing this little song and they would dance to it. We would just sing, stomp, 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 stomp on the devil. I feel like somebody needs to just stomp on the devil a little bit this morning. I think somebody needs to give the devil a Holy Ghost migraine in the Christmas season. I need some folks to go ahead and give the devil a headache this morning. You want to give the devil a migraine? Just start praising the name of Jesus. Just start magnifying the name of Jesus. Just start lifting up that name. And all of the sudden demons are going to tremble and, and spirits are going to flee. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil might step on some toes, but Jesus delivers the final blow to the head. Jesus is the mighty counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the mighty God. His name is wonderful. Somebody needs to believe that this morning. His name is wonderful. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. Hallelujah. We're going to wake up in just a minute here. Victory belongs to Jesus. You want to know what the Christmas season is all about? Here's what it's all about. Victory belongs to Jesus. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And hell could not stop him. That is the message of Christmas. Victory belongs to Jesus. He was the lion at the lamb at the same time. He was the first and the last at the same time. He was God and man at the same time. He was the sacrifice and the savior at the same time. He is the author and the finisher at the same time. He is the beginning and the end at the same time. He is goodness and mercy at the same time. He is the way, the truth, the life at the same time. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That means he's the father and the son. At the same time, he is the Holy Ghost and Jesus at the same time. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of you. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. 
Jesus is our advocate, our friend, our redeemer, our sustainer, all of these things at the same time. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. God was received up into glory. Victory belongs to Jesus. If you believe that, open up your mouth and give him praise. can be seated for just a moment. Satan hates Jesus because he is the promise. And Satan hates you because the promise is available to you. And if you have the Holy Ghost, Satan hates you because the promise is living inside of you. You know, if the devil hates your guts, you ought to wear it like a badge of honor. You ought to just laugh in his face and say, devil, victory belongs to Jesus. You can hate me, but I've got news for the devil. He's a defeated foe. Mm -hmm. For thousands of years, Satan tried to kill the promise. Satan tried to kill the promise before it was even born. He tried to kill it in Egypt, but God sent Moses. He tried to kill the seed that God had promised in the Garden of Eden. He tried to kill it in Persia, but God raised up an Esther. He thought the Philistines might stamp out the promise, but God raised up a David. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they waited for the promise, the Messiah. And one star-studded night, God made a promise about the promise to Mary and said, Fear not, you are about to give birth to the Messiah. Anybody still with me this morning? And so we are a people of the promise today. We are keepers of the promise. We have many promises from God. And one of them rises above the others. But I just want to pause in this Christmas season and thank God for every single one of his precious promises. I'm thankful that God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm thankful he'll never leave us or forsake us. I pr I'm thankful that we have a promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I'm thankful that we have promises that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm thankful that we have the promise that God is for us and not against us. I'm thankful that we have the promise that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Somebody needs to give God praise. I'm thankful that we have the promise that God is on our side. I'm thankful that I know that if God is for me, who can be against me? All of these promises and more. And we have an awesome responsibility to protect the promise. Someone say protect the promise. One in particular, but really all of them. How many here today could just raise your hand? You don't have to if you don't want to, but how many have a promise that God has given you privately. It's a personal promise that God gave to you. It's not necessarily for everybody, but you have a promise. That's a lot of people. Let me just give you a little word that God dropped in my spirit. You need to protect that promise. I said you need to protect that promise. If you missed Pastor's Wednesday night lesson, you need to get the tape or go on the website or something and listen to it. It's a powerful message. And while he was teaching it, he was talking about how uh, when Jesus was born, 
He came into a lowly, humble setting. It was not an environment that you would expect the King of Kings to be born into. It was not an environment that you would expect the promised Messiah to be born into. Human thought would, would, have, would have reasoned that the Messiah would be born in a palace somewhere. That the Messiah would be born into wealth and power and strength. But instead, an angel spoke to Mary and then separately to Joseph and confirmed that this baby whose name shall be called Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. He is the promised Messiah. They knew exactly what the angel of the Lord was trying to tell them. They understood that this was an auspicious moment. This was a day where God was manifesting himself into the world. He was using this humble couple. And it dawned on me that when the baby Jesus was born, he came in a turbulent time. Mary and Joseph were forced to travel from their hometown of Nazareth. And we all know that they had to go to Bethlehem. It was a long and treacherous journey. They had to go into a city that was overflowing with people. And when they went to Bethlehem, we all know the Christmas story. There was no room for them in the inn. There was no place for them to take shelter. There was no place for them to have safety until finally they were able to go and rest in a stable filled with animals. And it was there in that humble place that the promise was born. Can I just stop and preach to you that your promises don't always come to fruition the way you think that they will. Some of y'all don't know how God's going to do it. Because you're on a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and you're thinking God is never going to keep his promise. You need to understand that God will do it in his way, in his time, and it will be on time and it will be just right. You just keep believing. You just keep having faith, honey. Hold on to that promise. There may not be room for you in the end, but God has prepared a place for your promise to be born. Somebody needs to grab onto that this morning. God is working all things together for your good. And it dawned on me, see, it's hard for us because when we think about Jesus, we, we think about the, the man who walked on water and, and he touched the blind men and they were healed and, and he spoke into the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And we see him in all of his miraculous might and his authority and he taught in ways that caused people to stop and think and listen. And they were captured by his authority. And yet the promise was not born as a full-grown man. He wasn't like Adam. He wasn't just created from the dust. And there he was, a full-grown man. He was born a baby. If you've ever spent much time around babies, you need to understand, Brother Nathan and Sister Rachel are figuring this out. Grandparents know this as well. Babies cannot protect themselves. They can't even feed themselves. You have to feed a baby. You have to care for a baby. It's hard for us because as much as we talk about Jesus being 
fully God and fully man at the same time. In reality, most of the time we focus so much on the divinity of Jesus that we forget that he really was a human being. He was God, but he was manifest in the flesh. And so he was a baby just like every other baby. He had the same needs that every other baby born of a woman has. And that mother and that father, that humble carpenter, that young woman, when Jesus was born, the very first thing we read, and it's so familiar from every Christmas story, we hear that they laid him in a manger and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. They cared about his warmth. They wanted him to be protected. They wanted him to rest. They wanted him to be safe. I'm preaching to somebody who has a baby promise today. You better wrap it in swaddling clothes. You better hold on to that promise. You better put it down in a manger somewhere. It might be humble, but go ahead and give it some warmth. Give it some shelter. Give it some protection because God will give you the promise. But then he says, Mary, Joseph, you have an obligation to protect this promise. Some of you have left your promises in a field to die. You better go grab your promise. Hold it to your chest and say, God gave this to me. Some of you are in danger of losing your promise because you're not willing to protect promise they put him in a manger and that's not all Satan gave one last attempt to try to kill the promise while it was still a baby remember the story Herod he went through the cities and he started killing all the newborn baby boys. You know what that was? The devil said, I'm going to kill this promise before it matures into its full anointing. I'm going to get rid of this promise before it becomes dangerous to me. Some of you have promises in your life. They don't look dangerous yet. Hell is not really understanding everything your promise is going to do. But God knows if you'll protect the promise, it's... Your promise is going to set hell ablaze with fear. Your promise is going to turn the world upside down. Herod tried to kill them and the wise men, they came and they warned Mary and Joseph in the middle of the night. They said, Herod, he wants to kill this baby. He knows there's something. He knows there's something special about this baby. He knows it's a king. Make no mistake, hell knows the danger of your promise. You don't even know how dangerous your promise is yet. You don't even understand what God is trying to do with your anointing and in your life. But hell knows. That's why the attack comes against your anointing. Listen to me, young person. You know why hell fights you every day? Because hell knows when your anointing grows into full maturity. God, I need an elder to help me preach to young people. When your anointing matures, it's going to be powerful. Your anointing, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to preach the gospel and people are going to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance. Oh my God, you're going to change your generation. Listen to me, young person. I'm going to help somebody. Listen to me, young adult. You better protect that anointing. You better protect the promises of God. Don't lay them in a field. Don't take them out into the world. Don't be casual about your promise. Protect it. 
You have a responsibility to your promise. Number two, I'm moving quickly. But that's not all they did. They protected the promise as the promise grew. They provided. Everyone said provided. They provided for the promise. God will provide the promise, but sometimes you have to make provision for the promise. I know I was going to lose some of you there. I'm going to say that again. God will give you the promise, but sometimes you have to make provision for the promise. So Mary and Joseph had a baby. God manifest in the flesh. Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins. And Joseph still had to get up every morning and go to work as a carpenter. See, here's what happens. We get these incredible promises from God, and then we don't want to do anything. Oh, I, I knew it would get quiet now. These are the young people, they want a preaching anointing and they don't want to ever work a day in their life. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You're still going to have to provide for your promise. You're going to still have to make provision for what God is trying to do in your life. You're still going to have to put some effort into the maintenance of your promise. You're still going to have to seek after holiness. You're still going to have to seek after righteousness. You're still going to have to have a prayer life. You're still going to have to fast. You're still going to have to work some things out because you have to provide for that promise. And so Joseph every morning expressed his love for the promise. He got up and went into a humble profession, the profession of a carpenter. By no means was he a rich man, but he provided for that promise because he understood just because God gave me something great great earth shattering and life changing it doesn't mean that I have an excuse to do nothing I've got to get up I've got to be about the father's business I've got to grab a hammer I've got to get a sickle I've got to drive the nail because I have a responsibility to provide for the promise he literally worked for the betterment of the promise you want to make your promise better you want to make your promise safer get up in the morning and just simply be faithful be faithful to the house of God be faithful to the the things of God. And number three, I'm moving quickly. They provoked the promise. Everyone said provoked. Now I know when we hear that word provoked, it has some strange connotations in English, but let me show you what I mean. As the promise grew, as Jesus went from infant in a manger to a teenager being provided for by his father, the Bible comes in on a story where Jesus is 30 years old and him and some of his followers as well as his parents and evidently a large group of people they went to a wedding and in that wedding they ran out of wine mm. and the Bible says and when they wanted wine Mary the mother of Jesus saith unto him Son, they have no wine. Now you have to read this story with your imagination and put some context in it. Because any sons here understand what it means when a mother come and passively, aggressively says something like that. Son, oh no, none of these young men are going to admit it. Son, I just wanted you to know they have no wine. Now, if you think she was just making casual conversation, you're out of your mind. You know what she was really saying? You're the promise. I've been waiting 30 years for, to see this promise do something miraculous. 
Oh, somebody needs to get there. I've been waiting a long time. I've been protecting you. I've been providing for you. I, I've been suffering for you. And now you're 30 years old. It's time for the promise to get up and do something. There's nothing like a mama that says it's time for the promise to be unleashed. It's time for the promise to be loosed. Woo! That's somebody's heartbeat today. I need my promise to be unleashed. I need my promise to be loosed. I need an anointing to be broken in my life. <laughs> and unless you think I'm making it up, Jesus knew exactly what she was talking about. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? What do you want me to do? about this promise mine hour has not yet come sometimes even with God manifest in the flesh it takes a mother to know when the time is right all the mamas need to shout amen sometimes it takes a mother and so she said it and she, she didn't argue with him she had respect for him and she, she stopped to argue with him and she looked over at the servants and she said whatever he says for you to do you just get busy and do it because she knew the promise was about to start working miracles i've got a word for somebody today it's time for you to provoke your promise say promise it's time for us to rise and shine promise it's time for us to grow up promise it's time for us to change our world promise it's time somebody shout it's time all right, I'm, I'm closing, I'm closing. Here, here's where I want us to take you. The promise, here we are in Luke chapter 24 and 49, Jesus speaking. This is the promise, making a promise about another promise. Everybody okay? Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, and behold, I send the of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with what? With power from on high. So he was, the promise was making a promise about his promise that he was going to sin. We see the fulfillment the, of that promise in Acts chapter 2 and 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know what Peter was saying on the day of Pentecost? He was looking at that crowd and he said, you crucified the promise. The promise came into this world. The promise walked with you and talked with you and taught you and ate with you. And you crucified your own promise. Verse 37, now when they heard this, I got to just pause and preach here. You know why there are a lot of people that lose out with God? They crucify their own promise. Well, I don't know why God didn't do that for me because you killed your own promise. I'm going to help somebody. Some of you need to repent because you killed things that God put in your spirit. You killed the blessings that God was trying to put in your life. You crucified the goodness of God. You ignored the voice of the preacher and you allowed things to die that should have never died. But I've got good news. There's a resurrection that can come. It's not too late. Ha <laughs> ha. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the, somebody needs to shout it, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord, our God, shall call. Stand with me.
Don't tell me the Holy Ghost isn't for us today. Hallelujah. The promise is for me. The promise is for you. The Apostle Paul said it over eight times. Eight times the Apostle said, Know ye not that the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ dwelling inside of you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you can't follow. But I've got good news. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send my comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. You're going to be endued with power from on high. Jesus is not somewhere far away in some distant, untouchable place. Jesus Christ is in this building. If you have the Holy Ghost, he's dwelling inside of you. And I'm going to tell you what you got to do. You better protect that promise. You better provide for that promise. You better provoke that promise. You know how you provoke the promise? You've got to do like Paul said to Timothy. You've got to stir up the gift that is within you. Somebody needs to open up your mouth and praise the Lord and begin to stir up and provoke the promise that is dwelling inside of you. I'm just going to preach real life for just a minute here. Do you know why you can come and speak in tongues on Sunday morning and go home on Sunday afternoon? Sir, you know why you can do that and then get on pornography the minute you get home? Because you didn't protect the promise. You didn't guard it. You didn't value it enough. Say, I'm going to protect that promise. Do you know why some of you lose the anointing and the power in your life? Because you didn't provide for the promise. You didn't make the house of God a priority. You think you can get preaching once or twice or three times a month and your promise will thrive. You didn't provide for the promise. You better get where the bread is. You better get in the house of God and start providing for your promise. Oh, I knew it was going to get quiet here. I'm trying to help somebody because you better do more than just get the promise. You better protect the promise. Hallelujah. You've got to provide for the promise. The reason some of you come to church and you never get a breakthrough is because you never provoke the promise. You never stir up the gift within you. You never do like Mary and say, it's time. I'm here, Lord. I'm ready. I've been waiting. I know you're able. I trust you, Lord. There's the water. Just turn it into wine. Some of you are completely out of wine this morning. You need to come to this altar and say, Lord, here I am. I'm provoking you. I'm asking you, God. I'm not arguing. I'm not being rude. I love you. I know you're the Messiah. But I'm just telling you, it's time. I, I, I need the new wine of the Holy Ghost in my life. I need a refilling. I've ran out, Lord. I've run out. It's empty. There's nothing left. I don't have any. I'm preaching to somebody. Your spirit is crying out right now. I don't have anything left to give. I need you to turn it into wine. Somebody ought to come to this altar and just stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, God's about to turn your water into wine. 
God's about to stir up the gift. God's about to stir up the promise that's lying dormant inside of you. Some of you have promises that you're not using. Some of you have promises that are not being fulfilled because you're not reaching out to Him. Come on, just come and cry out to Him. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time, Lord. Right here in this Christmas season when all eyes are fixed on you, I need a renewing. I need a refilling. I need a refreshing, Lord. Don't be shy. This is no time to let pride keep you from a breakthrough. This is no time to let pride stop you from getting what you need from Jesus today. Come on, Mary. Go ahead and let him know I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Some of you have been waiting 30 years or more. Messiah, I'm ready for you to show me your glory. I'm ready for you to do the work I know you're able to do. Yes. God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise. And I know it's true. God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise. And I know it's true. How great. God, sing with me how great is our God. Don't we see how great, how great is our God? And I know 